Welcome, everybody, to another episode of the Lewis and Lucas podcast. I'm half your podcast, Lucas. With me, as always, is Lewis. How are you today, Lewis? Doing excellent. Doing very well. Excited about the show today. Excited. Yeah, there's a lot to talk about, so we're going to try and be succinct as possible so we can blow through these topics. A lot happened on Twitter. The elections are right around the corner, and of course, one of the big items of debate is pro-life versus pro-choice. There's a lot of political candidates where this is part of their platform with the Supreme Court overturning Roe v. Wade, pushing abortion to the states to decide for each, each state to decide for themselves. Now your state representatives are gonna play a major role in whether or not their constituents have access to abortion. And to that end, NPR had a really interesting segment on their morning broadcast the i listened to the 11 minute clip so if you if you have heard rumors that npr published an audio of somebody going through an abortion it is not a rumor it is true you i listened to the whole 11 minute clip it's very it's very jarring for a lot of reasons um the actual abortion itself, you know, they they turn on the machine. It sounds like a big vacuum cleaner. You hear the woman uh, experiencing pain, and there she has somebody there like who's coaching her through it. Like you can do this. You're doing so great. I uh, I was able to to be present for all four of my kids' births. The resemblance. The sounds from this abortion were very, very similar to the sounds that I heard when my children were being born, my wife going through pain, people coaching her. But instead of life being brought into this world, my children coming into existence, this abortion ended in life extinguished. I think the NPR produced this to try and put a human face on why we need to be pro-choice, why pro-choice is so important, but it's, it's, it's really ghastly that it, you listen to it and you're just like, this is, this is awful. I don't know. Like, yeah. uh, did you get to check this out much, Lewis? Oh my, I know the story. I didn't actually listen to it. I can't listen to stuff like that. Like I, um, you know, I um, have kids and I just, I find it, um, any time, any stories about kids getting hurt or, or babies getting killed or whatever, I just don't like to even think about. It's horrific. And um, it is weird. I mean, like any Christians or any pro-life people that kind of want to vote for Democrats because they like their social policies or whatever, um, Hopefully 2022 has been an eye opener for you of how central abortion is to the Democratic Party. It's, it is, um, Ann Coulter once said it's, it's their sacrament. And you can almost, as a Democrat, you can hold almost any position, but you can't oppose the murder of babies. Like it's just something you can't do. And you know, any other position within the Democratic Party for almost any subject is perfectly permissible, but you can't be pro-life. And it is, it's weird to see the left 
going so hard and so public on this and um it's weird i and i think people a lot of kind of normies that are you know if you ask them are they pro-abortion they'll say yeah you are you know they'll say i'm pro-choice or whatever um but those people don't like to know the details and you know i think they try to um you know, the whole clump of cells thing has been very effective where, oh, it's just a clump of cells. It's good. Even though it's never a clump of cells, it looks like a baby very, very early. And even before that, it's, you know, it's a human uh, being that's, that's growing and expanding. But um, they, the, the whole clump of cells things helps kind of depersonalize it and no, it's crazy. We don't know what goes on in there, but yeah, as long as you take care of it early, it's okay. I think that's most people's opinions. Um, I think NPR doing this, and I think um, the more clarity on what abortion is, what it looks like, how yeah. it goes, I think the more it hurts their cause. Because I think when people see what it really is, like you said, you know, it's, it sounded like a a, a birth process. Yeah, and I think when people see that, people that aren't completely overcome by demonic forces we'll see holy cow there's that's real and it is killing a baby you know and i think so i think it works against him yeah i i I hope so i hope so there's a speaking of the reality of abortion there's another clip going around this ultrasound technician shared his testimony of how he um, inadvertently participated in an abortion and completely changed his view on pro-life, pro-choice. And they created a cartoon to go with this, his testimony. It is graphic. It is, but again, the point being, people need to understand what abortion actually is. So I'll give a quick synopsis of this cartoon if you haven't seen it. He checks in for his shift. He's immediately told that he's needed at a particular room. He goes in. There's a pregnant woman on the table. The doctor asks him to check the the stomach. So he uses the ultrasound, and it's like, yep, there's there's a live, healthy baby in here. And then immediately the doctor grabs the forceps and starts pulling out, and it shows this cartoon shows, you know, the leg being ripped off, the arms being ripped off. And just, and then the, the final image of this, um, all of these ripped baby parts on the, on the table. And it's, I, I made myself watch the whole thing just because like this week, th- this is the, reality of abortion we for so long have like well it's other you know people are making choices these are difficult choices yes these are difficult choices but it ends with the the end result is a dead human an innocent life is extinguished like it's not that difficult yeah it's it's not it's not it's not and to your point if you're if you especially if you're a christian like we can have disagreements about fiscal conservatism, social security, like all these different things, right? If a Democrat was pro-life, 
you know, I don't think you could say like, you know, Jesus doesn't want you to vote for that. But the, but this is a very clear dividing line. Like, I don't know how as a Christian, you can vote for somebody who's pro-choice. Forget everything else, like this one particular issue. How can you vote for somebody who is is pro-choice? Yeah, I don't. Uh, I don't think you can. You know, I think I, I think to do so is itself um, a a sin going against God. You know, I think yeah. it is a it's a a dark choice um, just to vote for someone, let alone to promote that overall agenda. So, yeah, I think it's but dark. then the, but that that progressive Christian might say, Lewis, they might say, well. Even the Southern Baptist Convention supported was pro-choice up through the 1970s. This modern pro-life movement is just, it's a crazy Christian, modern Christian fundamentalist movement. Yeah, I i mean, we've kind of touched on this in the past, but I mean, ultimately, mm -hmm. Christianity has always been pro-life. That's a lie. Um, there's, you know, there's been lib liberal movements going through some of the um, denominations for sure. Um, but you know, biblical Christianity, conservative Christianity has always been pro-life. That's, that's not a new thing. And, um, yeah, I mean, you go back to day one of the church, that's just the earliest documents are against abortion. And it, uh, is said and stated over and over again throughout the centuries. So. Oh, it would be really interesting if, so I don't know if, I don't know if you could do it. I don't know if, uh, but you know, like how on YouTube, there's a whole subsection of YouTube or reaction videos. I wonder yeah. if you could set up to where you bring people in, tell them what they're going to watch. Right. And like, all right, you're going to be reacting to this, either this NPR audio or that abortion cartoon I mentioned, and, you know, and talk, you know, talk to the person, like how they feel about abortion before, and then watch this and, and see, like, look at the reality of abortion and, yeah, it'd be um, interesting that, that to see people wake up. Yeah, for sure. Um, but you know, there's a weird. Um, I've had discussions with people on it, and there is a weird, almost demonic aspect to a lot of people that are pro-abortion, where they'll say, "Yeah, it's a baby. I don't care." Right. Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah, it's a baby. I don't care. Yeah. Like it just. You know. Like. You know. There's. There's literally people out there that think infanticide is okay you know and it's you know like it's it's a weird uh it's a weird deal well I, I mentioned before the um john piper had talked about his he actually sat down with an abortionist a, doc, a doctor who gave abortion procedures and piper opened up was like just you know just so you know where i'm coming from mm -hmm. i believe that the fetus is a baby and the doctor's like well yeah i do too and it's blew john piper's mind it was like and then the guy was like i no i totally understand like this is yeah this is babies that i'm killing but the greater evil in my mind is these women that are uh subject to they were forced to carry these abortions it's just it's unjust it's so yeah to your point they recognize that it is infanticide but sacri being able to having the right to sacrifice your child so that you have a better career you can go to school you can do all these you can have make the life that you want to make and not be weighed down with the burden of being a parent having that ability 
you know, is worth sacrificing human life for. Yeah, yeah. It's interesting when you study like the Aztecs and their human sacrifice. Um, they didn't deny the humanity of the people they were killing. As a matter of fact, it was it was considered this honor to be killed. It was they would uh, celebrate the person uh, before they they uh, sacrificed them. Um, and I think there's there's an element of darkness to that where it's like. Um, you know, you, you think of like the worst massacres or whatever, usually you try and dehumanize the people, right? You'll see language that dehumanizes that kind of stuff. I think next level evil is when you humanize and then you kill, right? Like when, yeah. like it's, it's evil enough to dehumanize and then kill, but what, how, you know, how evil do you have to be to like humanize and then kill to like, to say, this is really a human like, and we're going to kill them anyway, right? Like there's a, a darkness um, to that that goes, it's like the level two evil when it comes yeah. to like, you know, leveling up on your mass murder um, ground is when you start to acknowledge the, uh, the humanity of the people you're killing. Yeah. And, and maybe that's around the corner. Anne, <laughs> Hath Anne Hathaway was on The View talking about how, you know, abortion is just another, it's, it's a, a mercy. She didn't say mercy killing. I think that was what she, that was the intent of what she was trying to say. But yeah, like, yeah, like, you know, we're, we'll humanize them or be like, we're sacrificing. No, they don't have to live in a carbon infested world with patriarchy and blah, 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 whatever nonsense they have to produce to justify the what is the murder of, of human life. Yeah, yeah. So another hot topic this week, Kyrie Irving, basketball star. He's been at the center of a couple of interesting controversies. He, do you remember when he, because I know you follow flat earth conspiracy theorists, so you like to debate them. Do you remember when Kyrie Irving a couple years ago was promoting flat earth? Yes. Yeah, okay. I remember that. Yep. So he's yeah. part of flat. He, he has a lot of um, interesting ideas. He gets very involved with think, organization, kind of Black Lives Matter organiz type organizations. He's a Muslim, he's, right? Is that... he, he hasn't, I don't know that he's officially come out like, so there's, uh, we're, 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 we're not gonna be able to flesh this out this episode. So there's the Hotep community, right? which is a black centric an idea that you know be, because human civilization came from africa so africans have uh, ancient knowledge the one a one true religion um similar ideas that you see like in nation of islam and black hebrew movements but hotep isn't isn't a specific religion per se, but there are elements of being like the black Hebrew, like God's chosen people. Mm -hmm. um, they're not like some, like black Hebrew and nation of Islam tend to be more anti-white in their rhetoric. Hotep community uh, isn't, uh, there's, they have a lot of white people that are part of the Hotep movement. Um, Kyrie Irving so, seems so to be among those type. There's white people that are just like 
yeah black people are better than us yeah oh yeah oh yeah (laughs) oh yeah okay all right that is that is definitely a thing yeah Yeah, i guess yeah even in black hebrew movement like they'll they'll talk i i was listening to a former black hebrew talk about his experience and how yeah there would be a couple whites but it was made clear to them like you know we the the black hebrews were the chosen people of god were from the lost tribes of israel you know you are goyim you are gentile so you could be a god follower but you will not be uh part of god's priesthood like we are yeah so there is there is a segregation so i don't know that kyrie irving is like black muslim or anything but there's he's see so his most recent controversy he seems to be it's more into the black Hebrew movement, this idea that, okay, so Israel, the 12 tribes of Israel, right? After King Solomon, there were two kingdoms, right? 10 tribes were part of the Northern kingdom. And then Judah, tribe of Judah and Benjamin became the Judah kingdom of Judah. The Assyrians took away the Northern tribes like 700 BC Mm -hmm. And they've been lost to antiquity. We don't know. They've been the, the more reasonable assumption is that they assimilated to the other cultures that they moved to, right? And we don't, we can't trace them. We don't know where they are. So Black Hebrew movement points to those lost tribes and says, well, actually, we, we are the descendants of those lost tribes. We are the people from, we are the true people of God. Um, this recent book and movie that Kyrie Irving posted about is a black kind of a black Hebrew perspective on that whole idea and fleshing it out. So like when Kyrie Irving says that he can't be anti-Semitic because he knows where he's from, he said that a couple times to reporters. That's wise because he's subscribing to the, this black Hebrew idea of okay. African-Americans are from the lost tribes of Israel. Yeah, interesting. I know that uh, Kanye West has said similar things yeah. about like him. So I don't know if he subscribes to that too. Or, I mean, the alternative that I would say is true is that um, the true sons of Abraham are by faith, right? So right. the alternative would be all Christians are the true Israel, the true, true Jewish people so you know that that's more of a biblical take is that um god adapts us as his when when we come to faith exactly right so what happened so this so kyrie irving post that was what happened this week if if you're wondering why am i hearing so much about kyrie irving in the news this week he posted on his social media this book and movie about the black hebrews and Everybody was like, this is anti-Semitic, Black Hebrew, this whole idea that Black people are the true, they're, they're more authentically Hebrew than Jewish people are. Uh, that idea is anti-Semitic, so you're an anti-Semite, Kyrie Irving, and you need to apologize. So the Brooklyn Nets and Kyrie Irving paid $500,000 to the Anti-Defamation League, and he issued an apology but apparently that wasn't enough because now he is face he's under right now he's experiencing a five game suspension <laughs> um the the conditions needed 
for and I think it's so it's a five game suspension officially, but it sounds like he won't come back and play NBA basketball games until a couple of conditions are met. Among them, a public statement recognizing that the film he promoted is anti-Semitic, an apology for supporting the film and the falsehoods within, training sessions on the dangers of hate speech, and he must meet with Brooklyn Jewish leaders. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so basically, I mean, the, the... the challenge with this and the challenge with kind of any time you question mainstream views, but this in particular um, is he obviously has his point of view, obviously believes what he believes. And, you know, he's, I think, willing to play ball and, you know, stop talking about it or whatever, but now it's too late. They want true, Repentance, uh, public <laughs> repentance. Right. And they don't, I mean, it's one of those things where they don't care what you believe in your head. They want a public statement yeah. of, of repentance to them. Um, and so this, you see this um, anytime someone breaks like the woke, um, whatever the woke narrative is. Um, so, you know, if a celebrity comes out and says, I don't think biological males should use women's bathrooms. Um, it won't be enough for them to stop talking about it. They have to come out and publicly say, I've educated myself. I've learned. Yeah. You know, I, I I've now, seen the light. I've... I now realize that, you know, I, I apologize for all the people I hurt. And I now realize that, uh, you know, I just, I had some backwards thinking there. So, you know, I appreciate everybody. And once you do that, then they'll, you know, they'll, they'll let you out of prison. Right. Um, and, <laughs> you know, it's, we had talked about last week about Nick Cannon um, and he, said some very anti-Semitic things, but also said some anti-white stuff. Right. Um, he was immediately canceled from everything, similar to, to Kyrie Irving and similar to, to Kanye West. Um, and he quickly came out and said, hey, I'm, I'm so sorry I said that about Jewish people. Um, and, and, you know, I've educated myself, blah, blah, blah. And they released the cancellation on Nick Cannon. He didn't have to say anything about the white comments. Right. Um, but that that uh, public repentance is an important part. And Kyrie Irving, you know, they got him to write that joint statement that was yep. obviously written by some publicist. And, yep. and they got, you know, him to pay some money, which I'm guessing somehow or another he was able to mentally justify paying money i don't i don't know where maybe it came all from the nets and they said that it would have been yeah i don't know how much of kyrie irving kyrie irving's actual money was involved in that but whatever whatever. yeah right but but anyway whatever whatever that was was not enough apparently so so um like they realized i think he had a subsequent interview where they had asked him about it and he didn't like explicitly condemn things right so they keep right. asking him about it and he's they keep he obviously hasn't hasn't changed his mind on it so like i think they just keep like asking him about it and he's gonna keep not sounding sorry enough because i don't think he's sorry at all you know right so, um he, he knows where he's like 
that's what he kept saying the fi that final interview he gave he kept saying I, I can't be anti-semitic if i know where i'm from i can't be anti-semitic if i know where i'm from which yeah that's you know Im the implicate the black hebrew notion of they're the true israelites and the people who claim to be jewish today are, are not they're imposters right that's why you're hearing so much this is anti-semitic this is anti-semitic what's been really interesting to me and i'm not the first person to notice this this idea so critical race theory has taught us that only those with power can be racist for example so white people have power they can be racist towards and are racist towards other races other races who do not have power because the structure that they exist within precludes them from exerting power they cannot uh, engage in racism well we've learned if in case it isn't obvious to everybody that if you are a min racial minority in america you most certainly can be racist if it's against if it's racism against a particular group of people yeah yeah a particular group of people that has no power at all. <laughs> this is like, I, I want, that's the problem. I want to talk about that more, right? The, if you say anti-Semitic, like what's, you get the anti-Semitic label, like the, you get shut down really, really quick. Like that's, that's a lot of power that's being exerted, right? Like, can we acknowledge that, you know, a, a particular people group, once they're offended seems to be very efficient in addressing their offense yeah yeah <laughs> did you see um i think cernovich posted the um article from harvey weinstein um about harvey weinstein it's an old hollywood reporter story before back when harvey weinstein was still a good guy in the okay. eyes of the news and um he was given some speech at some Hollywood event, and he was introduced as a good Jewish boy or something. And he said, you know, we need to uh, really gather together to attack anti-Semitism. We need to act like the mafia, um, was his statement, something along those lines. And um, yeah. So I there there you go. Yeah. That's and, we're we're seeing it and, in real time. And the article lists all these important executives and all these important people. So and they were all like nodding and agreeing with him. So yeah. Yep. Anti-Semitism will not be tolerated in any form. Um let's see, our we Kanye West has been um promoting He's back on Twitter, so he was canceled on Twitter for a little while, and then he uh, is back on, and has been talking a lot. He's not; he's going after everybody. Um, one of the more recent he's Twitter na naming names. He's naming names. Yeah. So he recently. So just background wise, he was on Lex Friedman's podcast yep. and was talking to him. And made some statements like he's been saying, which is, you know, Jewish people, blah, 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 you know, whatever. And Lex Friedman was like, well, it's specific people. It's not, you know, you're, you're lumping a whole group of people. And um, so Kanye West in this Twitter rant was like, hey, Lex Friedman asked me to name names to be specific. So here we go. Yeah. And so he's, he's listing names and, 
and this this guy, what's his name? Harvey Harley Pastor. Harley Harley Pasternak. He has the most damning of tweets. I don't know if you want to say what it said, but the, oh, I absolutely uh, will. Yeah, it's yeah. like so. Kanye posted uh, text messages that he allegedly received from Harley Pasternak. Harley Pasternak is a celebrity personal trainer. He works with a lot of celebrities. Um, so, so this I, this is not hyperbole. This is this is a, a matter of fact. When Kanye West was originally institutionalized, remember it was like around 2016, mm-hmm. his family had him medicated and institutionalized because he was going crazy, yada, yada. He was at Harley Pasternak's house and when the police were called to take him away. So Kanye West and Harley have worked together. Like that is a, and Harley was a part of Kanye West's original institutionalization. Like that's, that's just a matter of fact. That's not, that's not hyperbole. Yeah. Um, so this week, Kanye tweeted out some screenshots of text messages between him and Harley. And Harley was like, look, we could do this one of two ways. We can sit down and have a conversation where basically I'm going to debunk all this crazy nonsense that you've been promoting, or I can have you institutionalized and drugged up and go back to zombie land, his words, go back to zombie land forever. So like, and threat, threatened his kids in there too, right? Right. He's, well, so like, well, it's, he said something to the effect of your, you know, your visits with your kids are going to be a lot w- less uh, enjoyable, whatever, if you're on drugs, uh, like you're drugged out dark. of your mind. Yeah, that's but, about yeah. as dark as you can get. Like, you're, yeah, right? He's, dark, he's, dark. So like, like, oh, rich people, you know, he, Kanye West has all this power. There's, there's other power structures that exist in entertainment and government and did you uh did you read it all about that guy's background yeah i actually grabbed so somebody did a giant deep dive on this guy did, i mean did you want to talk about it first i can no you go yeah, it's, uh, you, yeah. so harley harley pasternick is jewish um canadian american he uh, works he has ties with canadian intelligence military there's actually a clip. So this deep dive from Restoring Order, go follow him on Twitter. Um, there's a clip of an interview that he gave, and this is a an actual this is an actual uh, quote from this interview. Harley's talking. He says, "Working for the military, I wasn't governed by the same laws that the typical person was, so I could look at the impact of certain drugs that are not everyday things." So it's, he openly talks about it, 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 this podcast, how, yeah, I was, I worked with the military, worked with intelligence and we experimented. I would with love psych- to know more like the, the military allows you to experiment with drugs. Like right. Yeah. Can, can you talk about that more? Yeah. Can we well, talk which, we've talked that out a little bit, <laughs> which we know like MK ultra, like, yeah. Oh yeah. You know, no, no, so we read that book about, um, Charles Manson and the possible ties Chaos. Yeah. Chaos program. Tom O'Neill. Is that right? Tom O'Neill's book. And he talks quite a bit about Jolly West, the infamous um, American 
I don't call him a scientist or whatever, but like ex- was involved heavily. He He's like a, a psychologist. He worked psychologist. for uh, University of Austin, I believe. And, yeah. Um, Before, yeah. so he got his start in working for the government, right? For the U.S. Army, in these different programs about how how to make super soldier serum, all those different things. Took that stuff after he got out of the military. Kept continued, but and we know it's a matter of fact that he was still getting funding from the CIA. But doing similar taught, you know, top how do we use drugs to get people to do what we need them to do, right? So Harley seems to be in that same world as Jolly West was. This, you know, military intelligence experimenting with psychedelics, whatever, to get people to think or do what they need them to do. Yeah. Um not to go too down too far down a conspiracy theory hole, but um I read um, Rowan Farrow's book um, on, um, you know who Rowan Farrow is? He's the uh, son. He's the son of um, Mia Farrow and Woody Allen, um, and he got big kind of in the Me Too movement. He's the guy that busted the story on Harvey Weinstein. Okay. Um, so I read his book and one interesting thing in there is he said when he was going up against Harvey Weinstein and Harvey Weinstein found out that he was going to, um, you know, he was going to publish a expose or was shopping an expose against him. Harvey Weinstein hired this group called I'm blanking on the name, maybe like black cube. I think it's black cube. Um, but it's all, um, former Mossad agents, um, and they, you know, they basically started organizing against uh, Rowan Farrow to try and shut him down and destroy him before he published that story. So it was like just to tie in here is like it was a military slash intelligence operation uh, to control a national narrative to protect a particular asset, and in this case, a Jewish, you know, a Jewish guy. So like. It's interesting here that we've got this obvious, very damning text from this guy where he's like, listen, you know, you keep, you know, we're going to have this conversation or I'm going to, you know, use my, you know, whatever capabilities he has from a, a drugging perspective or whatever, yeah. but basically I'm going to have you institutionalized. I mean, it's a pretty interesting, pretty interesting thing. So. And- some, so people have been doing some deep dives on Harvey. Uh, he's he he's definitely connected to Kanye West. He was also working with Mac Miller before Mac Miller, the rapper, uh, OD'd and died. He was working with Ellen Page right before her transition. Remember, she <clears throat> uh, had, became non-binary, all that stuff. Don't um, dead, don't dead name, Lucas. You're dead naming. Oh, is that not her name anymore? No, her. her, her, her oh, jeez. Oh, who, who are you oops. talking about? Sorry. Like, yeah, I don't, talk about Harvey. Hey, um, before we continue, can you uh, apologize? Completely yeah, I apologize and, and, for that. That's yes. my bad. Thank Sorry, you. everybody. Sorry, YouTube. Sorry, everybody. Oh, uh, man. Man, man, man. You. <laughs> Last week you admitted to be a Nazi, and this week uh, you truly confirmed it. So I, I just that, I, I continue to travail on the mercies of YouTube for allowing us to continue having a channel at this point. 
I know. Yeah. Well, <laughs> thankfully, I'm here to make you apologize. <laughs> thank, thank you for leading me back to the light, Brother yes. Lewis. <laughs> um, so, yeah, like, do I believe every single sorry, thing? Sorry to interrupt, but um, what's the, what's his new name? It's a page. It's, uh, I don't know, Ellis or something like that. So, anyway, former, you know, this person the yep. transition famous actor that transitioned yeah um was under this guy this right is, what's his name harvey harvey yeah harvey yeah so under this harvey guy like this is a wild thing you start looking at the connections of this guy i mean oh, sorry harley harley yeah don't hire harley as your personal assistant i will no, say this don't. guy does not seem like a good guy <laughs> Although he might be assigned to you, like I don't know how things work. Right, like oh, maybe like oh, you have to have this guy as your uh, personal assistant. Like, so do I believe like every single thing that Kanye West says? No, I def- I take it with a grain of salt. Just the same way that while I appreciate all the chaos that's been happening on Twitter because Elon Musk is privatizing it, I'm not a F- Elon Musk fanboy. I don't. I'm not a Tesla worshiper. Or whatever. A but, rat. <clears throat> yeah, like. The what Kanye West has been able to point to, like if you you have to give it serious consideration, is it's it he he has these text messages from somebody who was connected with his original institutionalization. Like he he was at um, Harley's house when he was first institutionalized. Like that, yeah. I don't know. I don't. Have, I don't know if I have anything more to say about this topic. Yeah, it's dark, <laughs> dark. So keep going, Kanye. So detransitioners are still fighting the good fight. Um, it's so so cool to see these very very brave young people who, under great personal cost, are out there fighting to make sure that other children are not subjected to the mutilation of their bodies, otherwise known as gender affirming care. We've talked before about like uh, Chloe, Richie, uh, Benjamin Boyce is a YouTube channel or podcaster that has, has given a voice to a lot of these detransitioners. Big shout out to him again. Uh, I'm I'm always I follow a lot of them. I'm always stunned that I I can't imagine going through what they experienced. Right? They, so at a young age, they're going through gender dysphoria. They there's I, self- I there's there's a great book by Abigail Schreier Carl called Irreversible Damage, yeah. and she talks about how it's very normal for uh, teenage girls to feel uncomfortable in their bodies as they're going through puberty. Um, as they're, you know, experiencing their first periods and they're going through all that, that they just, you know, they don't want that to happen. So it's very normal for that to, if you call it gender dysphoria or just like normal uncomfortableness with what's happening with your body, that's very normal. Yeah. And we, and, and we live in a world that is very uh, saturated in sex. So, I can't like going through those changes and then 
stumbling across pornography or you know watching your favorite music artists in sexually provocative music videos but it's all, so you're going through these uncomfortable things with your body and you see how women are used as sexual objects in media and i'm they talk about these detransitioners talk about how like yeah like i was i didn't want to i didn't want that i didn't want that life i didn't want to be objectified i was uncomfortable with my body that started them on this path towards transition and gender affirming care this idea that oh if we if we carve your body in a particular way you'll be your true authentic self this you know woke or trans gospel that they're given and they're really pushed into it they they talk about how their therapists as soon as they mention like i'm uncomfortable with my body it's like oh are you and it was just this will continue to affirm them that oh you're well you're trans you're trans and what you need to do let's get you over to a surgeon and it's just oh it's and then it's so dark it's I mean, so like, dark it's just so dark like the the uh abortion thing is so dark this is so dark they're both like where it's like oh my goodness like what are we doing as a society it's like madness that has overcome us and um that it's even considered an option let alone normal is insane i um i i will occasionally force myself to go through these detransition uh testimonies just because you have more I, uh you have more tolerance for all that stuff than me like i because, just, like we i think like the idea of it like weirds me out and i just can't get into it like i just I, can't, can't <laughs> i i i have i feel like i have to because i have been very blessed you know i i grew up not having to face those types of challenges not being taken advantage like having an entire industry targeting me to take advantage of me and butcher my body. I, I feel like um, almost, I guess, a moral obligation to listen to, like really dig into their stories about just, just using the bathroom is a struggle. Uh, <clears throat> um, knowing that they're never gonna have kids. Yeah, it's brutal. It's, oh. uh, yeah. Yeah, I mean the and the 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 sadness of the whole thing is it's like it's a ridiculous like to take a teenager and just destroy this giant aspect of the future is is it's crazy for us to do. It's you know, cruel. It's crazy. so when like when when you see the detransitioners coming into town to talk to your state assembly about banning gender affirming care like they just did in Florida. Uh, you i you need to support them you need to support them uh they have everybody else is against them the uh, media the the trans community that's saying oh you're you know your children are going to commit suicide if they're not allowed to go through these bodily transitions yeah. all, all these different lies um but you need to we need to support detransitioners especially because they're the ones who've face the consequences of our society allowing this to happen in the first place and there's so so many of them i mean it's just like uh becoming such a giant thing so you go through this 
like I said, Abigail Schreer calls it irreversible damage. You go through this ir- irreversible damage and then you realize, oh my goodness, what a giant mistake. And she tells some of those stories in that book where it's like people will slowly realize, oh, what did I do? And yeah. um, and then all the support goes away. Yeah. Like, because, I mean, a lot of the reason people do it is because it is this great support group. It's yeah. like, oh, your trans is great. Okay, well, you're part of this community this oppressed community and we're all friends and we all like each other and oh it's great what you're doing and like so you have this this um cultural institution that helps you move along that path but then you know the moment you realize oh my goodness i just destroyed my body i just yeah um you know i made a really bad mistake that community goes away and yeah. you're like on your own and you've just realized you know oh my goodness this is uh yeah that that that, those communities you're talking about at best what they do is to be like look just just keep it down right i kind of you know yeah maybe it didn't work for you whatever but that's very rare like for most people this is good so just kind of you know keep your your regret to yourself yeah um i uh was watching some james Lindsay recently and uh, if People don't remember who James Lindsay was. He's one of those guys that got completely deleted from everything. Um, but um, James Lindsay, um, I think, is an atheist, but he's been focused he on like looking at the effects of um, critical theory in various institutions. Um, but what he got banned for um, or canceled for was using, and I'm not going to say it here because our video may get de-emphasize but it's g-r-o-o-m-i-n-g um that word um he got banned for using that word because it was considered anti-lgbt um but and you know a lot of people assumed he was just talking about sexual abuse um when it came to that word um but he pointed out that you use that word when you're talking about people going into cults when you talk about people going into, um, you know, uh, institutions, when you talk about prepping somebody for the next level of a job, you use that word. So, you know, say I'm going to G R O O M, um, Lucas, you know, for the next role, you know, mm-hmm. we're going to prep him for the next role. Um, so that phrase is very common and that's undeniably what these organizations are doing this is undeniably they're prepping them they're moving them they're they're just like in a cult where you like separate somebody from their family and friends and then you start to give them this message and you build around them with a community it's a very cult-like behavior and um it's has a lot of the benefits of a cult and uh, has a lot of ultimately the sadness and destruction of a cult. And it, it's, you know, a mainstream thing that we've got now. It is the uh, trans cult. I, I think it, that's, it's fair to call it exactly that just for the reasons that you outlined the language they use, the, the group think this is how we treat outsiders who don't share our exact ideology it is a cult. So, but, and, and shunning and violence towards those that, yeah. um, that exit, right? The, I the mean, threats there's, of there's, violence there's are very nothing stunning. A, nothing a cult hates worse than the person that left the cult. Yeah. Right? So like, it's, 
it's one thing if you never join, but if you join that cult and then you leave that cult, they hate you with a passion. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, is- but the detransitioners are having success. Florida had, um, they got rid of gender affirming care for minors. Uh, hope I know, I know that's on the ballot in some other States too. I really hope that, uh, politicians continue to take that seriously and make the right decisions. If we don't allow kids to purchase alcohol, get tattoos, why in the world would we push them into gender affirming care as a minor? Like, and yeah, we should like call it mutilation or whatever too. I mean, the, that's the, yeah, it's gender affirming care is like a dystopian, Gender affirming care would be like helping them in their actual gender, right? Like, you know, right. Like, yeah, to get comfy, them, comfortable yeah. with their bodies. Yeah. Yeah. Gender affirming care would be like, oh, you're, you're struggling. You know, how about you work out, you know, exercise yeah. more or whatever. You know, but uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. No, no child is born in the wrong body. All right. Israel just had a, an election. They've been trying to get this guy out for a long time, Netanyahu, mm-hmm. and he prevailed again. <laughs> the, uh, I don't. I don't know what to think about Israel. I don't. I follow a lot of people that there's a, a good group of there's a group of people that are pro Israel. There's a group of people that are not. I respect a lot of people on both sides. Um, with this recent election, though, it looks like Israel, the coalition government that they're going to have to form now, is going to be more militaristic, more you know anti. Palestinians, what you know, whatever, but it's this conservative part of Israel that has been very like, look, we need to be, we you know, we need to take these threats, these outside threats, more seriously. We can't like we're they're very against the two state idea of having Israel and a state of Palestine side by side. Um, <clears throat> Yeah, did did you uh, look, see this much at all? This these uh, I'm a little there... bit. Yeah, I mean, my I I'm a very much a non-interventionist when it comes to foreign policy. Um, I am I don't consider myself pro-Israel or anti-Israel. I want Israel to do their own thing, and I want U.S. to stay out of it. And I, you know, I I think us being inserted in the business of the Middle East. Um, makes no sense and when i say yes i'm uh from the u.s obviously so i you know i think personally our our role should be non-existent in this and um you know i i think one of the problems so you get a a group like netanyahu that's real jingoistic and um you know wants to you know really show a strong hand to the surrounding nations well that's basically the U.S. saying we're jingoistic and showing a strong hand because we're so connected with them um, financially, militarily, um, ideologically. Every politician says, hey, I'm pro-Israel. You know, Biden says that. Trump said that. Right. You go back as far as you can. So when they <laughs> get aggressive, when they you know, say, hey, we're really going to show the people around us that that we can't be messed with. That's us saying that. Right. And I personally don't want to say that to anybody. Like I don't want, I have no desire to get in a, a fight with the Palestinians or the Syrians or anybody else in that area. I ran we, like, I, I don't, you know, from an, uh, an American standpoint, 
none of that's in my personal interest. Yeah, I want I want all those people to like me and uh, okay, or at least ignore me, but I don't want them to have this active hatred for me because Netanyahu or anybody else over there um, is is firing bombs into their country, right? Like right. I don't I don't have any desire to be a part of that. And unfortunately, the way things are is like we are a part of that. And so, you know, my, you know, if I had to say preference, I'd want a peace loving uh, person running Israel just because I, you know, I, I think it's a lot better for us as a country. I don't know if it's better for them, but I, you know, it's, that's the problem is we shouldn't be, their fate should not be connected. If they think they want to get a big, strong leader, okay, but don't let it reflect on the U.S., let it. Let it reflect on yeah. what they're doing. Yeah. <clears throat> we, and unfortunately, we're very, very tied because we both parties support. So it's like it's like we have to have opinions about Israel because our so much money goes over there, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. Yep. Which is what, crazy. I what, mean, like, very why crazy. are we sending money? Why are we sending money to them? Um, Tal Schneider is a political correspondent for the Times of Israel. She pointed out that the big winner for that election is this guy named Itamar Ben-Gavir. Um, he plans to be the next Homeland Security Minister who, when he was a lawyer, defended Jewish terrorists in courts. He's threatened the late assassinated Prime Minister Rabin, convicted eight times at incitement and related felonies. In his winning speech, he says, it's time that we will be back the owners of this land. It's time that our kids will feel safe to walk around the streets. And he talks about those who undermine the state while the his supporters in the crowd say death to the terrorist, not the notorious death to Arabs anymore. Yeah, yeah, I mean, it's um, it's a there's there's a lot of hatred over there and some of it may be justified, some of it may not be justified, but just for us to be inserted on in all that is crazy, like just yeah, you know, let them hate whoever. But it is why, yeah, it's wild that you have a guy that like is supporting terrorists and and uh, you know has a death to whatever. I mean, it's just like, what what are we doing? You know, like, yeah, you know, what, well, we... and and I wonder too if 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 Israel having a big conservative win, if that is a um going to point to the future of American election results. If there's going to, if people have been wondering if there's going to be a lot more Republicans, there's gonna, everybody's kind of bracing for a big Republican wave. I certainly hope so. Uh, what do you, what do you think? Or should we be hopeful for that? Well, I, I mean, I think everywhere around the world, nationalism is a move that, that a growing movement and is, making headway everywhere it's, you know you see it in france you see it in italy you see it in hungary you see it in poland you see it in russia you know nationalism is this whole idea of like hey we're all going to be one world government maybe we will um but there's a lot of pushback right now against that and um i think what you see in israel may be part of that where it's like no we're not going to play nice anymore we're just going to look out for ourselves yeah and i i think that's absolutely the case in the u.s um i think trump was a perfect example of that um and i think that you know there's a giant pushback against kind of this globalistic liberal um you know one one world government so i and i 
I think it, it may be for this coming election here in a week. Um, it may be that um, the well, I guess a few days, right? We're talking about yeah, early next week is when the election is. Um, it may be that the issues there are less. I don't know that they're tied to Israel's election because I I don't know that it's necessarily a nationalistic movement right now. I think there's some very bread and butter issues going on in the U.S. where we've got people that can't pay the grocery bill. We've yeah. got people that can't make their mortgage payment. We have people that are um, are very unhappy with some of the social stuff going on. So I think there's a lot of I don't know that it's a, a nationalism versus globalism election in the U.S. I, I feel like it's more kind of nuts and bolts of, of elections. Um, and I think that the Democrats have been horrible in terms of that. I mean, I, I, you know, you go back in time and you think of like Democrat messaging and kind of the classic genius. And Barack Obama has touched on this a little bit, um, but even going beyond Barack Obama, um, Bill Clinton was just a genius in terms of messaging where he had the phrase, it's the economy stupid. Um, he focused on, you know, when, the, when the, said, it was, I feel your pain. <laughs> yeah. I feel your pain. Um, when election time came, he didn't talk about um, abortion. You know, he taught, he touched on, um, I can't remember the phrase. I think it was like dinner table issues. He touched on like how you know how do we you know sit around as a family how do we make uh, you know make the ends meet and just like a very you know um, uh, intelligent messaging <clears throat> from the Democrats where you know you had just regular people that were like okay yeah I'm on board with this yeah I need yeah. to you know, like I need to get this and th it's weird that this time the Democrats their whole message seems to be you should be able to kill your baby and Republicans did January 6th. Those yeah. are the two, those are the two things that appear to be their entire message, which I don't know who the people are that actually care about those things, but I can't, they're be, not the majority of Americans. can't be mainstream. Right. So, so when it comes to like, who's going to win on Tuesday, um, I mean, my personal opinion is, and the polling's kind of showing this, that the Republicans are going to have a very good night. Um, but then, you know, talking about January 6th, you know, I, I will see what happens. You know, I like, you know, whether, you know, I, I won't go into it because I don't want our video to be flagged, but, you know, I, I, I think they'll be flagged should, already. Just go ahead. Yeah, there should be some <laughs> concerns about whether the voting abruptly stops in the middle of the night well, in some uh, blue, blue uh, districts uh, or we whatever. Have, we, we have the most safe, secure elections <laughs> in the world. But that, we do. But, uh, yes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we should expect there's already articles out of like expect the voting to stop in the middle of the night. Oh, yeah, yeah. Even well, even President Biden said that it is normal for counting to stop in the middle of the night. Like, no, not. Nowhere else, actually, nowhere else in the world does that happen. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Brazil anyway, did their whole election and they did it one day. I was like, yeah, you there's no excuse for get stopping. the ballots, count the ballots. I mean, like in ninety five percent of these districts, they're all like, you scan them through the thing and it counts them for you, right? right. So like, you know, you fill out the little black 
you know, circles or whatever. And then it scans you through. So like almost every district all the way around the world or all the way around the country, like could get the results in five minutes. You know, you put them in there as like putting it into a, 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 a copy machine where you, you put the documents up top and then it, it scans right, them all. Right, right, right. Like there's no reason why we couldn't get a vote immediately. And yet for some reason it takes like four days yeah. in some of these places. Yep. Which is not suspicious at all. Not suspicious at all. Because again, the safest, most secure yeah. elections yeah. take place in the and US it, of A. It's, you know, it's funny. It's never, never in like a really red district where it's like, oh, this is the most Republican district and they just can't get the count done. You know, like it's always like the bluest of bluest of areas where it's yeah. like, oh, we, you know, we're going to take four more days to get this count completed. We're, we're trying, man. We're, we're trying to count. Yeah. Them. Yeah. It's like when, have, when did counting ballots become so hard. Yeah, it's like the count from uh, from Sesame Street, where it's like <laughs> one, <laughs> one, <laughs> one ballot, <laughs> two, two ballots. Ballot. <laughs> Holy crap! This is gonna take four days. <laughs> <laughs> oh man! So we'll we'll see we'll see what happens. I'm trying to remember now what we had slated next to. That's right, man. This was incredible. So there was a clip from an parish in ireland where a priest was talking about how engaging in sin will lead you to hell like very like whether you're protestant eastern orthodox like like you're christian in some capacity it's a pretty it was a pretty like yeah that's that's christianity you continue to engage in sin you're unrepentant that's how you get to hell and his uh Bishop had to issue an apology because people were offended at the notion that sin will lead to hell. Yeah, that's wild. I mean, it kind of gets back to what you were saying um, or what we had talked about a few weeks ago, um, whether the Catholic Church has kind of changed their doctrines. Um, and, um, you know, I don't, yeah, I'm not Catholic, so I won't get into what my opinions are there. But like, this is definitely one where that guy was saying something that clearly is a 2000 year old teaching and uh, he's getting corrected by his bishop on it and apologizing for it by his bishop. So I, I, I haven't read the actual statements and I, I don't know if the bishop was his primary concern, the tone, was he like, I'm sorry for the I'll tone or was it for the doctrine itself? Um, that was taught. I think I saved the message. Let me go look at it quick. But it's I mean, because there like, like there's a tone police in the church, and that happens in Protestantism too, where it's like, you know, if if I get up and I say, "Yeah, you don't believe in Jesus, you're going to hell." Um, there's a lot of Protestants that will be like, "Hey, I'm so sorry, that was a bad tone." And like, if you nail them down and you say are you saying you don't believe that eventually they'll say, yeah, well, I believe it. But like the way right. he said it was mean. So here we go. This is the quote from Bishop Raymond Brown. I apologize to all who were offended. The views expressed do not represent the Christian position. So it doesn't go into specifics at all, but the view, the views expressed do not represent the Christian position. 
So not adding any nuance or whatever to what this priest was saying, just yeah. that the views expressed do not represent the Christian position. I, I feel like they do, though. Like, yeah. And to your point, he could have gone into the tone, whatever, but no, he stopped at the views expressed in this clip do not yeah. represent the Christian position, which... I'll, yeah, I, and I'll yeah. repost this for everybody to go look at for themselves. It very, it's it's a very clear like orthodox Christianity here. This is it's not hard. Yeah, well, that's crazy. Uh, well, <laughs> yeah, I I don't know. Um, I find um, I find a lot of it when you look at the last one hundred years or one hundred and fifty years. Um, a lot of Protestant denominations were just destroyed. You know, you got liberalism came in. I mean, the Presbyterian Church in the USA, you know, PC USA, um, just got destroyed. United Methodists got destroyed. Um, and it has been impressive that the Catholic Church has not given in to a lot of the liberal stuff, right? They never changed their views on gay marriage, um, actually have remained very strong, never changed their views on abortion, remained very strong. Um they never changed their views on male pastors, right? They remain very strong. Um, so in many ways, the Catholic Church remains strong in the face of all this liberalization, which is, is impressive, um, you know, because the, the forces were powerful. Um, but I will say, I think since Francis has taken control We'll see. Yeah, like we, I, I don't they, know. It, he has a atheist, a, a pro-choice supporter on his. Um, what is it the Human Rights Council or the maybe, Council yeah. of Life? Whatever. Like he's he's doing all these different things to liberalize Catholicism, mm -hmm. but I, and I think because there is this left drift in the Catholic Church, the set of Anchetists, which we've talked about before, these are the Catholics who do not recognize Pope Francis, among other Vatican II popes, they don't, they believe that it's been false popes, there's, there's not a true pope in Rome mm -hmm. right now, but they're still Catholic, like, I, the, the set of, the, the set of thing, like, I, like, I, I get, what's stopping them from going, like, Eastern Orthodox, you know? like i don't whatever yeah i don't know i don't know i it's um i i feel like a group like that it's like what are you doing you know just like either follow the catholic church or like you said join some other denomination but it uh <laughs> it's weird to say i'm a catholic but i don't believe the pope is the cat yeah yeah i don't, I don't believe know. the pope is the pope yeah so anyway that i thought that was interesting and then well, what else we got here i know we're want to um are we gonna, so we're we're gonna talk. Uh, what was that guy that uh, he's the guy that uh, died that had the said there was some kind of oh this was oh man so th so this guy he developed a cryptocurrency whatever he was in Puerto Rico and he's been tweeting about um, how the CIA has a child abuse network that they use to like the honeypot where you get somebody to sleep with a prostitute, whatever you get a video of it, and then you use it as blackmail. So right. he was looking at it, exposing this. And then he, uh, he died 29 years old, uh, dead and found dead in Puerto Rico. 
yeah. right after he finished tweeting about how the CIA was coming after him to to frame him or whatever. Yeah, which is terrifying. But I will say, like, you know, all respect to this guy, but you don't actually need to investigate it. It's obvious with the Epstein stuff. <laughs> like, I mean, like so, the Epstein stuff in my mind is like, that's exactly what was happening. Um, Epstein was clearly installed by the CIA, clearly working with intelligence operations in Israel and Mossad. Like, there's no question. Like, it's obvious. You look at the facts and it's an obvious case. So, and that's apparently sounds similar to what this guy was talking about. I mean, Epstein basically would get the rich and powerful. They, by all accounts, he had a blackmail operation where he had video cameras in every room. Um, he mixed in underage girls with of age girls. You know, guys would go to a party, there would be blackmail information. And by the way, when they arrested Epstein and when they arrested Ghislaine Maxwell, um, they did prosecute them. Um, but there was absolutely nobody else that went down right. with them, despite yeah, the fact that apparently they were blackmailing people, they had videotapes, they had all this stuff. They had a whole organization of people. They had islands. They had pilots flying each other back and forth. They had this whole massive organization with countless Johns, countless people that were on videotape, apparently um, committing sexual crimes. And yet not a single other person went down. That's strange. And not Very. only didn't go down, but like there was no names listed. None. Like it's not like not even like, you know, um, we know all the baseball players that, that took steroids. We don't know <laughs> who like was involved with Epstein. And it's, it, it's a wild is like, obviously, obviously it's intelligence. Like, right. obviously that's what's going on. And so like this guy in his investigation, like I, I'm, it's awesome that he did that. And it's really sad that he was killed. Um, and I think it's probably a good conjecture to assume that he was killed for what he was looking into. But um, I will say, um, I believe the CIA is good organization and I don't oh, have any, you know, like I, they're the I, best. I think this guy's a crazy conspiracy theorist. And uh, do you follow Whitney Webb? I do. Yeah. yeah. So I actually, so she just published an one nation under blackmail. I haven't started reading it yet. I really want to, um, that's my brother and I are reading different books and that's the next on our yeah. list. She does a, this book is supposed to be a very deep dive on Epstein and the CIA, the child trafficking, all that yeah. stuff, which this guy was exploring firsthand in Puerto Rico, where he said this was happening. Um, yeah, like like you said, it's very obvious that, you know, Ghislaine Maxwell was trafficking children to nobody, apparently, right? Like, yeah, no, I mean, the, the cover up of the whole thing is like, obvious. It's not even like the it's, they didn't even hide, they didn't even try and hide it. It's, right. a, it's a weird it's a weird thing where it's like you go through, okay, Bill Barr's connection to that whole thing is crazy, but Bill Barr's dad hired Jeffrey Epstein. Yep. And Bill Barr's dad was OSS, which was the precursor to CIA. Bill Barr was in the CIA. Um, so Bill Barr's dad hired Jeffrey Epstein for a high school in Dalton, you know, get to know really, you know, and New York, you know, get to know really rich, powerful people, get to know uh, teenage girls. You know, like that's, that was what well, he was, he was a, Epstein was a teacher at a girls preparatory school. Yeah. Dalton. That's what I was saying. Yeah. Right. It wasn't just girls. It was co-ed. Oh, it was co-ed. Okay. Right. Yeah. But um, it was, um, but he got hired in by Bill Barr's dad yep. who 
didn't you know, when Jeffrey Epstein did not have a college degree. So yeah. imagine going in, you're going into a very affluent, um, rich school teaching mathematics and you don't have a college degree. Um, so he went into that and then, you know, that was Bill Barr's dad got him that start. And then of course he was given all this money by Lex, uh, Wexner, who's the Wexner. Star, yeah. Yeah. Who's the, the Victoria's secret person, but also like very connected with, um, Mossad and, and, uh, Israel, um, Ghislaine Maxwell's dad was a Mossad agent. Yep. Um, Robert Maxwell and also connected with British intelligence. Um, you know, like the, the sweetheart deal that Epstein got in 2008, Bill Barr's law firm that Bill Barr worked with is the one that worked that law, that, uh, thing, that agreement with them. The prosecutor, Alex Acosta, said that he was told to give the sweetheart deal because Jeffrey Epstein was intelligence. Like yeah. he, he said that, like, that's not a conspiracy theory. He explicitly said that. Um, and, um, you know, just the, the whole thing is like, it's not even, they're not even hiding it. It's not even like, it's just, it's out there. You know, they're, they're not even hiding it. So it's, it's wild. But. So, yeah, if you want to explore um, this, the name of this guy is Nikolai Muchkin. Yeah, found dead in San Juan three days after tweeting that the CIA, Mossad, and pedo elite are running some kind of a tra sex trafficking ring in the Caribbean islands. Um, so explore that at your own peril, I guess. <laughs> um, moving right along, the uh, next topic here, the Paul Pelosi thing, right? It, Man, the mainstream media was doing such a great, fantastic job trying to beat the drums about, look, th this guy broke into the Pelosi house and assaulted Paul Pelosi. His intent was to kill Nancy Pelosi. And anybody who suggests otherwise is a crazy conspiracy theorist nut job. And this is why we need to control what kind of speech happens on social media and why Elon Musk taking over Twitter is bad, but like, boy, it just the way the conversation was evolving. But then you look into the details, it just, things continue to not add up. So the official police report, they, they come to the house now, now, instead of them saying this strange man, um, opened the door. Now they saying Paul Pelosi opened the door, did not tell the police that he was in any sort of danger and then walked back towards the this Dave DePape guy, walked back towards him, and then the cops asked DePape, anything going on? And he's and then DePape says, everything's just fine, and then cracks Pelosi with the hammer, right? So then Pelosi had to go to the hospital and everything. But, like, what was, like, why if, like, who called the police? Why... Would Paul Pelosi answer the door, say nothing, everything's fine, and then walk back to the person breaking into the house? Like, uh, yeah. just yeah, it doesn't no, make nothing sense. Nothing makes sense in the whole thing, and um, it's it's funny. The uh, mainstream media is the one that published the stories about him being in his underwear. Um, they're the ones that publish the story about like um, you know this other person opening the door, that kind of stuff. Then they retracted them. And then they're like, all the people that were saying those things are conspiracy theories. <laughs> I was just, just like, wait a second. I read 
the Washington Post. <laughs> it's like, yeah. How, and they're like, it just, you know, is it the, and NBC did a report on this very topic that you're talking about. And then they retracted the video and, you know, deleted their story everywhere. And they said they needed more context or whatever. So, I mean, the, the, there's something weird going on here. I mean, I, I feel like from my personal perspective, the idea that Paul Pelosi is a um, sexual deviant is like zero importance. Like, I, you know, like if he was maybe if he was like the Republican front runner for president, I would care. But like as like the husband of a lady, I already think is really demonic. Like, I don't. <laughs> I don't care. Yeah. Like, but, but it is where I do think it's important and interesting is to see the media's and the local law enforcement and local prosecutors, et cetera, all coordinating together to bury a story. Like that's the part I find interesting. Like I, you know, whether he's a sexual deviant or not is like, who cares? But like, I think the, the real story here is this is like a, a mini version of the Hunter Biden uh, laptop where it's just like facts get deleted story gets rewritten. Yeah. You know, everyone coordinates together to make sure that the official story gets out. You know, like it just, it's one more example of um, kind of this Washington apparatus, this establishment apparatus um, telling the people what they should believe about it and being pretty effective at it, you know? Yeah. It's yeah. Weird times, weird times indeed. Yeah. Bry- Bryson gray. If you're not following this guy, man, what are you doing? What are you, what are you doing? Like he's, it's funny cause people th- have different takes on hip hop and Christianity rap and Christianity. So he is unapologetically, mega christian um he goes at trans ideology democrats abortion he he hits all those things unapologetically and his latest single he dropped uh, he, he he if you follow him on twitter he drops everything into his timeline so you just you know all all of his songs they're great they're well produced this last one black lives don't matter and he's, it's kind of a ton in cheek look at the Black Lives Matter organization, how they say that, that they care about black lives, but looking at their actions, the way that they launder money to their, their executive board so they could buy $6 billion homes while black people continue to suffer in these areas where Black Lives Matter is supposed to support them. So he, and I, I don't think he, says like like black lives don't matter like well that's a really gotcha like it really grabs your attention yeah but he because because he's trying he's trying to he has a a particular message that he really believes in that he's at he's not saying these things because he is trying to get album sales so he says salacious things and then if you press him on he's like look i'm just you know i have a more nuanced opinion no he's he's giving you his opinion like these are things that he really I've been following him for, I feel like a while and I have not seen him really waver on any of the positions that he takes. Like he really believes these things that he's rapping about, talking about on Twitter. Yeah. I, um, 
know, one of the things that I like really believe is that, and this sounds like super sappy, but like, I do believe that Christianity is the way you get unity. Like all the things the left says they want, all the things they say, you know, racially, equity and unity and love and you know like stop hate etc i think ultimately um when people share core values and they all are kind of on the same page from a um christian perspective um i think you do get unity where like the connection that a guy like bryson gray has with you know me or you or, or whatever is there because we both share a profound belief in the ultimate image of God being present in all humans. And like, that is a, it sounds like a liberal sappy thing, but it's, it's true. And like, you know, we've talked about Jewish people or whatever, like, and I, a Jewish Christian, I, I know some, and like, they're, they're as connected to me as, as a African-American guy from a, the inner city uh, there is connected to me as, as, you know, my fellow church members that I have, um, because we all agree, like we all agree on the core things. We agree that we're all descendants of Adam. Adam. We did agree that we're all united in sin, that we're united um, in the gospel, that we're united in the forgiveness of Jesus and that God loves all of us. So it, it sounds sappy. It sounds, I mean, like even those words coming out of my mouth, I feel like, oh, okay. Yeah. Like that's, but it, there, there's a truth there that the hunger that we kind of all have, and I think liberals intuitively have, I think is fulfilled and, and satisfied by um, true unity in Christ. And um, yeah, so that, I mean, that's, that's my like, statement about everything we've talked about is like i i think ultimately religion does matter and i think christianity has this great effect on society in a lot of different ways but that's one of them that's that's a very that's a great great point like we we are united in our submission to the lordship of jesus christ right christianity is this great equalizer where there's neither jew nor greek all of us are start with our depravity or sin and through and when you, Jesus. And when you unite around, when you unite around that, there can be true unity. But when you like unite around some weird racial theory of like, Oh, black people are oppressed or all oh, Jewish people are oppressed or all oh, the you know, like white people are bad or whatever. And that's the thing you focus on. Well, those have inherent division built into them. Um, and those ideas that black lives matter or whatever focus on, are inherently going to have hatred and suspicion and um, you know hurt feelings across the board just by the nature of what they they focus on. Yeah, absolutely. All right, you know I, the only thing I forgot to mention we were talking about the Kyrie Irving Kanye West thing, and I'll just I'll just briefly mention it because I know we're running up on time. Uh, if you're Dr. Umar Johnson, if you're if you're not familiar with Dr. Uman, there's so there's the, the whole Pan-African movement. We, we talked about Black Hebrew, Nation of Islam. There's another sort of Black separatist movement, this Pan-African. The There needs to be an ethnocentric nation state built on Black identity, right? That's Dr. Umar Johnson. He 
he's a very interesting person. I've followed him off and on through the years. He's made lots of public appearances. He was recent on this week. He was on Instagram talking about how so Kyrie Irving is being suspended, right? So the big talking heads at TNT that review the NBA, it's like Shaquille O'Neal, Charles Barkley, were all poo-pooing Kyrie Irving, talk about how he's an idiot and everything. So Dr. Umar Johnson was talking about, he supports Kyrie Irving, Umar Johnson does. And he was uh, talking on his Instagram live about how Charles Barkley and Shaquille, we need to bring back the whipping. These are, okay, these are his words, okay? We need to bring back the whipping post, okay? We need to bring back the whipping post and we need to give 3,000 lashes to Charles Barkley. need to give lashes to Shaquille O'Neal for how they betrayed uh, brother uh, Kyrie Irving. It's, well, it's, it's wild. It is wild. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. It's a, yeah, it's an interesting thing that's going on. Um, and you've kind of got like this, um, black identity, um, black brotherhood between, you know, whether it's Kyrie Irving or Kanye West and that kind of stuff. And like, and then you've got kind of your mainstream African-American socially acceptable people. And, um, I think there's a big part of a lot of those people that would like to like unite with Kanye West or Kyrie Irving. Um, but they know that if they do their careers will be yep. immediately yep. destroyed. So I think guys like Shaquille O'Neal, I mean, just as someone that's like listened to a lot of Shaquille O'Neal, I guarantee he doesn't actually like have an opinion on this and probably would be like a totally cool guy. Like, but he was obviously told by someone, listen, you've got a very nice job making a lot of money and you're beloved by everybody. You want that to continue. You need to make a statement on this. And so I'm sure that's where his statement came from. And, uh, it's, you know, yeah, they've Shaquille and Charles Barkley have taken a lot of flack from the black community for when like police brutality was in the news a lot. Like they kind of, we're towing the company line. You know, that's this is not the first time where they've appeared on national television to tow the company. They just conveniently are supporting ideas that are promoted by the mainstream media or the NBA commissioner. Like it's 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 not a coincidence that they're always seem to be exactly aligned. Yeah, I mean, there's a there's a system of carrots and sticks, right? Yeah. There's a system. Anytime you want to be a celebrity. You want to make a lot of money, get in the public space. There is a system of carrots and sticks that can force you to say what they tell you to say. Right. And the carrots are like, Hey, we, you have a very nice job. You'd be beloved by everybody. Yeah. You're a celebrity. You know, it's like everywhere Shaq goes, everyone loves Shaq. I like Shaq. Um, and then the, the stick is if you don't, <laughs> we will destroy you. Like yeah. we will, you, you will be hated. You, if there's blackmail information on you, we will release that blackmail information. Yeah. If there's, you know, we, it, whatever we can do to make you poor, hated and excluded from society, we will pull all those levers and we will do it very effectively. And if, you know, like, and, and that happens like Kanye West is a good example. Kyrie Irving is a good example. Um, and there's many, many other examples of that where people just disappear. 
You know, yeah. like, a- Andrew Tate is a good example. Like that guy three months ago was the yeah. biggest human being on the planet. Now, like people are like, oh, remember Andrew Tate? Like he's gone, like just deleted, gone. And so like the, the, the carrots and sticks are real things that we really have in our society. And, you know, Shaquille O'Neal and, and Charles Barkley, and for that matter, everybody else that's on mainstream news, mainstream media, they all have those. And, you know, there's, it's, it's not hard to control people. Yeah. And, you know, if, if Shaq did something else, if he was like, Hey, listen, I support Kanye West, I support Kyrie Irving, you know, it'd be like, okay, well, Shaq's gone. You know, like, yeah, yeah, that would, that would be the end of him. So. The TNT would issue a statement how Shaq is no longer represents the values of the Turner family. So we had to part yeah. ways, which going back to Bryson Gray, th- what's so cool about him and what he's done. He's, he's charted on billboard 100. He's charted on iTunes. He, and he's done that in spite of the fact that like he, he's faces a lot of shadow banning where the, powers that be try to mute him or try to make sure that his stuff never gets trending in spite of that there's these grassroots organic efforts that he has created through his music where he has garnered a lot of support that's propelled him in in spite of all these influence like what you were talking about like you know if you don't do if you don't do this you don't say this we're not going to give you well he's forged his own way and broken through a lot of those glass ceilings all on his own, which yeah. is a very, very encouraging and, and very, very awesome. Well, I mean, for all our negative statements about tech and, and kind of um, the internet and all those things, um, the one giant upside is it has provided a voice outside of that establishment media, right? So it, there, there was a time when if you wanted to get famous, you had to follow the Shaquille O'Neal, Charles Barkley way, right? Like you had to um, be a part of the system. Um, but now to some degree or another, even though there's a lot of censorship out there, you can utilize alternative platforms to build a following. And uh, yeah, good for uh, Bryson Gray and uh, a lot of other people for for using those and uh, kind of building building themselves up outside of that establishment, which makes it harder for the carrots and sticks. Now, those carrots and sticks can still come, you know, like, um, you know, there's guys that get hardcore canceled that did not build themselves up through the establishment, but still get destroyed. Um, you know, lawsuits, you know, Michael yeah. Flynn, you know, pressing charges, you know, Nick Fuentes is a good example where he, you know, was very much outside of the establishment to begin with, but they canceled his bank. They yeah. uh, had every social media company get rid of him. They um, Did, didn't the TSA yeah, uh, bar him from. T- yeah. He's on the no hole. No, no flight no fly list. That's yeah, no fly wild. list. Right. So like um, true, absolute banning and attempt to destroy a human being outside of, you know, e- even though he didn't, he didn't come up through Hollywood or whatever, but they still tried to do those, the the stick at least with him. Um, And, you know, to some degree it does work, right? You think of Milo Yiannopoulos, Yiannopoulos, right? 
right? He was kind of outside of that establishment. He got big through Breitbart. He got big through um, just being a Twitter troll, YouTube videos, that kind of stuff. And they effectively pretty much got rid of him. I mean, he's been, he's been one of those guys that we've said, Oh, remember Milo, you know, like remember him. And he was, yeah. you know, that was, he, he kind of just disappeared. No, some of that was, he shot himself in the foot with conservatives. I mean, by saying some of the stuff that he said, but, um, right. When, yeah. when he was, yeah, the, the comment in particular, I recall was where he was the talking pedo about, stuff, yeah. right. Where he's like, yeah, yeah that's part of, yeah. That, and I think for him, that may have been what killed him more than more than the sticks of the, yeah. the mainstream. Because he was so. very accepted in conservative and even to some degree Christian circles because yeah. that that whole um, and there there still is to some degree like the Young American Foundation that has the the college campus circuit that certain speakers can go through. Well, they've tried to shut that down a lot they you know make it impossible for people to come to campus that have conservative opinions uh promoting hate speech on campus right but that they're in like 2000 the the 2010s were really interesting in that that the, the intellectual dark web which we've discussed before the college campus circuit that people like Yiannopoulos and others were going and having all these big that's that's where a lot of the big viral youtube moments like people like people protesting and then he he's laughing at them and like yeah 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 it's like look how yeah. he's owning the libs <laughs> yeah did you uh hey, i'm sure you knew this but he's uh claims to not be gay anymore yeah. and he now is supposedly a devout catholic which is awesome like it's uh that's cool cool stuff so but uh, yeah i just I, I wonder how much of that is just grift though, you know, like, I, I, yeah, I hope he's, you know, but. Well, I'll, I'll say this. I don't, nobody knows what's in somebody else's heart, but right. I will say that he, if he wanted to do grift, he it seems like he'd be back out in the public. That's but true. He's doing all this that stuff behind the scenes. Right. So like he's, he's doing this stuff in a non-public way and he's not granting a lot of interviews and those kind of things. So like, I, I'm, Again, I, who knows what's so going on did, in someone's did he heart? Divorce like, his husband? Yeah, yeah. Like oh, he's, he did. Okay. He's wow. Anti. He's you've got an orthodox view of sexuality now. So interesting. Yeah, and he uh, claims to be a devout Catholic, and you know, runs like a uh, kind of an organization to help people get out of that lifestyle. So wow. Uh, Good and man. again, like, who knows? Yeah, I, I, I don't, I always like, it's always a little dangerous to like put all your, yeah, support behind, but, um, you know, just cause like you said, it could just be somebody grifting or whatever, but it seems genuine to me. That's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah. Good for him. All right. That's all the, you know, tw Twitter, he called a dumpster fire, called a repository of amazing intellectual conversations. It's all those things and more. It's how Lewis and I find the many different topics. We a lot of national and international conversations start on Twitter. And we, you know, every just like we do every week, we review those conversations and as a way to enlighten you guys about what's going on and what might become part of your, if you're wondering, why are we talking about this? Well, Lewis and I can look at its possible origins on Twitter and, and 
give you a little more details. Like, subscribe, follow us on Twitter. And uh, Lewis's book is still out. It is still awesome. I actually, there was somebody at my Bible study that was talking about, they were talking about drugs and how, you know, the word pharmakia. And I'm like, my, my buddy wrote a book that it goes into great detail about exactly that. You should check it out. Nice. Nice. Yeah. It, um, it's a book that's needed, man. And uh, get it out there. Anybody, anybody that's interested in a copy, let me know. I'll get you a copy for free if needed, but it's, it's a necessary message for this moment. So there's an audio version as well. If you don't feel like reading, you should check it out and it's really good information. Anything else before we go, Lewis? Nope. Not for my end. Awesome. All right. Follow us on Twitter. I am on get, or I am Lewis U and uh, at addicted to grace. Uh, my website is lewisungit.substack.com. Yep. Thanks, everybody. We'll see you next week. Thanks.